welcome to Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Uh, Yes, even for you. You might just have to redefine what it looks like for yourself. I'm your host, fellow working mom and founder of Your Life Rocks, Jenny Stemmerman. Each week, I'll bring you practical, real-life tips to help you focus on the things that matter most in life and be the best version of yourself in every area that God has called you to. Ready to redefine what balance looks like for you and your life? Let's go. Hey there, welcome to the show. Today's episode is really important, so I'm really glad that you're here. And if you are brand new to Your Life Rocks, if you're brand new to Redefining Balance for Working Moms, I also want to welcome you to the show. I think that this is a great topic for you to be kicking off with as you start to listen to this podcast because, you know, it is back to school time. And we've been talking a lot about great things that you can do to help get your kids ready for the school year, to help you be a better mom, to really help them dial in their academics. It was a really great episode last week if you missed it. But in this time where we're focusing in on new goals for ourselves and new goals for our kids and how to be the best mom we can be and, you know, maybe new routines around the house. I know that's a big thing that we're focusing in on inside Life Balance Membership is habits and routines and all of that for a new season. But there's one thing that is missing in all of this. And this is why I thought it was so important that we talk about it on today's show. And it is all about your marriage specifically all about protecting your marriage. And as I was thinking of how great it would be to have this be a topic right now, as we're going into September and starting a new month, I thought, you know what, we should have Kimberly Walton come on and do a special episode. And then I thought, if I were to ask her to do anything, it would be a redo of something that she did for us a couple of years back, all about protecting our marriage. And I thought, Why reinvent the wheel? Why not just bring back what's already been done? So this week and next week will be part two. We are equipping you with special tools and a new visual on how you can really think about how to protect your marriage, some actionable things that you can start doing to really help you build a marriage that you want to have and really shine some attention and light and focus right now when it's kind of a crazy time of going back to school that you can really be intentional about this most important relationship that you can have with your husband. Now, our guest for this two-part series, Kimberly Walton, she has been on our show so many times before. She's my go-to when it comes to marriage advice or helping us be the best wives that we can be. Kimberly is a marriage mentor, speaker, writer, and a women's retreat leader who specializes in working with Christian women to create and nurture wildly successful marriages. She is the founder of Cherished Wives International, a coaching practice dedicated to strengthening marriages and increasing intimacy and connection through her unique in-love approach. The in-love program addresses the six principles that are part of the successful marriage by focusing on the whole person and taking a wholehearted approach. Now, the things that I really love about Kimberly is that she strongly believes in a solution-focused approach to strong marriages, and she has a great sense of humor And she is all heart and she's all about Jesus. So everything that she does is all holistic in that way. And she's really easy to learn from. She's all about what we're all about, which is giving you practical tips that you can just take and run with right in your life so you can start seeing immediate results. I know you're going to love this conversation. If you've heard it before, like I said, it's two years old. You're going to want to love hearing it again. I know I did. It was so powerful hearing it again. And if this is your first time hearing it, prepare to be blessed. All right, let's get into my interview with Kimberly. Well, Kimberly, I am so super excited to have you back on Your Life Rocks. I love learning from you each and every single time you're here. So what's new? What have you been up to? 
Oh my gosh. You know how it is. It's so busy. And the end of the year is always a busy time for me. My birthday's actually in November. So it's perfect that it blends in with Thanksgiving because I stop and I, and I take stock of the year and all that kind of thing. And so this last month or so, I have been working on an online course for the classes that I teach so I can reach people all across the country, nation, um, I guess even the world at that point in time. Because I've had so many people who are attending the classes that I do, what I call the in love classes, and they're like, this needs to be something I can, I can send my sister or my aunt or my mom. And so we are busy working on that. I'm hoping to have that to the beginning of the year. We have moved offices. I don't know if people know, but my husband and I have an office together. And that's always fun to change and move offices. And then I've revamped the website. So it's been a busy time behind the scenes which people don't always realize how, how much time all these little things. <laughs> oh my goodness, like, yes. Wow, okay. Oh, there's a typo and then there's a this. And so it's been a, a busy time for the business. And I have a bunch of classes scheduled for January, February, and March locally here in Sacramento area. And it's just a really busy time for the business. And I'm excited. I'm excited to be able to reach more people and share the message. I'm excited for you to be able to reach more people as well, because I was telling Kimberly before we started this interview, you guys, her podcast episodes when she's on as a guest for Your Life Rocks are some of the best episodes that we have as far as number of downloads, because I think the stuff that you teach, Kimberly, is so needed and it's such a blessing for people. And the thing that I love about the way Kimberly teaches, if this is your first time learning from Kimberly, she's been on the show a ton of different times, but she breaks things down and teaches some of these concepts on how we can improve in our marriage in ways that you just get it. Like it's stuff that we hear time and time again, and we've been told in different ways, but the way that you explain it is so relatable and so actionable. And I think that that is such a huge difference. So I'm really excited that you are going to be able to impact even more marriages with your teaching. Wow, there's a lot of pressure there. Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, on that no note, pressure. about a year ago, we were talking about me doing a radio program and it's taken this long to work out the bug. So another piece of news is that in December, that the local radio station, I will have an hour program where I get to share basically the message for Christian women who want to thrive in life and love and marriage. So oh, it's exciting. That is exciting. That is exciting. I'm going to be praying for you because that's, that's going to be a big thing. I know just not even just in the workload, but just the impact that you're going to be able to have on so many different people. That's incredible. God's doing amazing things through you. He is. Sometimes I think he has, he, he has more faith in me than myself, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have him, right? We What's just, next? We just offer it up and he uses all of the skills and talents he's given us to, to further the kingdom. So, and you're certainly doing that. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate your support and I appreciate the prayers of you and anybody else who wants to pray for me. I'm happy to receive them. <laughs> well, I'm super excited to dive right into this. I mean, as you know, with Your Life Rocks, we're all about teaching about all the different areas of life and really strengthening women. And I think such a big part of that most important earthly relationship that we have is with our spouse. And I'm really excited to learn from you today because we are going to be talking about protecting that relationship, protecting marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love it. And the thing I love about you too, Kimberly, is I'm such a visual learner and this is an audio podcast, <laughs> but you have such a way of teaching us in a visual way through an audio channel. So I'm excited to learn from you on this, on this approach that you've kind of put together. So we are going to be talking about the outer defenses, the inner defenses, and the personal defenses, right? Yes, we are. All right. Awesome. Well, let's jump right in. Let's get started. Okay. So um, I call this the castle approach. And if you kind of have an image of a castle, 
then basically, you know, people think of like those thick stone walls on the outside. And, and usually there's a vision of like a moat around it. And those are absolutely the images we have when we talk about a castle. You know, the moat and the stone walls, those, those were our first lines of defense. And they were there to protect the precious stuff inside. And most castles, though, people don't think about this. They actually had three lines of defense. They had that outer defense. Then they have an inner defense. And then they had the personal defenses. And it's, it's kind of like security levels. So what we have is that this idea of the castle approach. We can learn a lot from castles and how they were constructed and managed and protected and how to protect our marriages. Because much like a castle, our marriages and our families, they really have three lines of defense. So I'm hoping you and, and your listeners will play along with me as I keep using this castle analogy to make my point on how you can fortify a marriage using this castle approach. I love it. It's brilliant. And, you know, whenever I think about the castle and, and, and kind of the defenses that you even talked about, like the moat, I mean, it's very much circular. It's covered by all sides. And that's why I love that you've kind of put together this visual for something that is so important. So when you're talking about protecting both marriage and family, I love that you threw that in there too. What kind of gave you the inspiration for looking at a castle as, as kind of the visual for this? Well, you know, it's actually funny. It was, it was an idea that I had a long time ago. My husband and I were, um, we went to Europe and we were seeing all sorts of different things. We were in Greece and we were in Italy and uh, we went to Israel. And one of the things we saw a lot of was, you know, rocks and stones and buildings that had just crumbled and and even some castles. And one of the things that struck me at the time was their defenses and how what we think of a lot of times is just that outer defense. But then when you start looking inside, I'm like, wow, there's multiple layers of these defenses. There's usually like an inner wall also. And I thought, wow, in order to get at the people, the lords and the ladies and the kings and the queens, whoever that happens to be in the inside, you had to go through really three levels of defense. And it struck me at the time, I just never put anything together until more recently working with clients where I thought, wow, this is something we can emulate. I know it's medieval, it comes from medieval times, but this really is something we can emulate. And, you know, a lot of people talk about guardrails for marriage, but those are really about not having affairs. And, you know, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at everything to protect your marriage and your family. Mm, that's so good. And, you know, for me, being more of a visual learner, when I first kind of got this image that you had sent over this PDF about kind of explaining this model and looking at the circle, I just got done uh, listening to the audiobook, The Circle Maker. Have you ever read that book? Mm -mm. So it's a book just about like doing prayer circles around things and the promises of God and the things that God has given you and just circling everything with prayer. And so when I saw this, that was the first thing that popped out at me just because, you know, when we think about like protecting things and even spiritual warfare. It's all about prayer. It's all about, and then that book, all about prayer circles. And then seeing this visual of this <laughs> boat around this castle in a circular way, I thought, oh my gosh, God is so good. The way that he just loops everything together. Yeah. I'm going to have to get that now. It's so good. It's a very, very good book. He's gotten a couple kind of in that series. And this is the first one. And I just finished it on audio. It's, I very much recommend it. Okay. I'm making a note actually, as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of kind of that circular piece, walk us through those first stages of, you know, that first ring of defense. So with the yeah. moat and, yeah. and kind of in that visual. So I call that the outer defenses. And these outer defenses include all of the like iconic images of the moat, the outer wall. And sometimes the outer wall was called the curtain wall. 
but the drawbridge and the gate of the gatehouse, the Barbican, which is basically just the outpost that protected the gate because that's the weak spot, the lookout towers and the arrow slits, all of these things, they were there to keep the enemy at bay. They were there to basically prevent them any access into that inner circle. And so when we look at that, we want to say that these are our, our initial outer defenses and how, how do those correlate to protecting marriages? Well, the first thing I like to talk about is the moat and what happens with the dirt from the moat. So, and I kind of touched on this a little bit, but basically the moat is an important part of protecting your marriage because it's this big ditch that's dug around the castle or marriage. And sometimes it's filled with water, but sometimes it wasn't. And the purpose of the moat really was two things. One is that it basically meant, and people don't realize this because they usually think of the water that's in the moat, but the moat, having a moat meant people couldn't tunnel under your castle walls and collapse them. And that was a serious concern. And then the other thing is that dirt that had to be dug out to make that moat, that was actually put on the inside so that the castle could be built even higher. And thus, it's more difficult to attack. So I like to ask people is, does your marriage have a moat? And that moat is basically to keep others from collapsing your wall, keeping others and the enemy from tunneling under and making your marriage collapse? And is your marriage on high ground? You know, do you give the impression that your marriage is worth guarding? Does it feel not penetrable? You know, if you were a marauder, are you going to be more likely to attack some sort of castle that has a moat and is on higher ground or one that seems to be in a state of disrepair or has, you know, basically a weak surrounding? This is kind of rhetorical, obviously, but, you know, seriously, the one that's on a higher ground that's got a bigger, deeper moat that feels like there's something worth protecting and people are less likely to attack it. There is something so profound in what you just said. When you said, do you give that impression of a marriage that's protected or one that's weak? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so profound because in the society today, there's so much ease around complaining about our marriage, complaining about our husband. It's just kind of a welcome part of the conversation whenever you gather together with your friends or as women or even on social media. And it is about kind of that first line of defense of what we're putting out there and what we're representing. Now, for someone who's out there and they're like, well, it's really hard for me to give that appearance of a strong marriage when in my heart, I know it's not. And where does that line from being transparent about what's really going on versus putting up that strong front of this is a marriage worth protecting? Okay, so a couple things. First of all, I think that that's not part of your outer defense at times if that's what's in your heart. That's going to be an inner defense or a personal defense, honestly, because if you're not feeling that way inside, then that's going to be something else we're going to talk about. And so hold on to that thought in case I don't answer it. But one other thing I do want to point out here is how we give that impression oftentimes comes from the things that we do to weaken the relationship. So for example, I tell people, the TV shows that you watch that degrade the idea of marriage, ones that make fun of men or encourage kids to be disrespectful, these tunnel into our lives in ways that we don't even realize. There's sitcoms and even TV commercials that make men look dumb or incompetent. I guess they kind of seem funny, but they're at the expense of our husbands and our sons. And in my workshops, I actually show several different snippets of commercials and TV shows that do just this, that they basically make the men look like bumbling boobs or, you know, the woman's being disrespectful to the man. And they're like, oh, honey, you're an idiot kind of thing. And I asked the wives, how do you think husbands feel about this? And oftentimes women are like, 
oh my gosh, I'm, you know, they're chagrined and they feel bad, which is absolutely not my point to make them feel bad, but it's to be aware. And just think about this for an example is think about the difference between if we're talking TV here, Chip and Joanna from Fixer Upper and how they relate to each other and let each other be who they are. And the Married with Children Bundy marriage. I mean, which one is a role model for marriage? Which one should we be emulating? Mm, so, yeah. so just the things that we watch and we bring into our lives and then we go, oh, well, I'm going to talk to my husband this way or I'm going to let him speak to me this way or I'm going to, you know, do these different things. That's part of the idea of having that united front. And, you know, the other thing with the united front besides the moat is that outer wall. And people don't realize, and this is going to end up being a little bit of a history lesson. I apologize for this. But those outer castle walls, they were some of the the thickest. And oftentimes, they used the most resources just in that outer wall. And the stones, in a lot of cases, were stones that were carefully selected that were super strong so that they could withstand the enemy's blows and attacks. So if you're not putting up a fortified front, you and your mate, and you're not on the same page with money and parenting and in-laws, you know, if people argue publicly or openly say negative things about their mate, what they're doing is they're basically saying, there's a hole in my wall right here. There's a hole in my wall right here. There's a hole in my wall right here. All of those things drill holes in this fortified wall. And those holes mean you're susceptible. Mm. That's good. That's really good. And one of the things that really kind of stuck out as you were talking about that is, you know, we speak so much about personal responsibility and the things that we personally can do to fortify our marriage or to pray for our husband or to build up the marriage that we want to have and and taking on our own responsibility, our own part in that. But this is really a joint effort because you can be putting up that really strong front. But if your husband's the one who's kind of pointing where all of the holes are or, you know, just bringing things in and, and allowing things to tunnel in, then that can also be part of that. So how do you communicate this idea with your husband? If you're like, yes, I realize that we have holes and we're showing people where those holes are and we want to fortify stronger. As the woman listening to this, how can they communicate that to their husband? Hey there, I hope that you are loving this content from Kimberly. I know it has blessed me in so many different ways and I'm super excited to be listening to it again. Now, you might have heard Kimberly and I referencing the PDF that goes right along with everything that she's talking about to help you personalize it and take it a step further. If you are a member of Life Balance Membership, you can find it on the membership site by going to resources and then to the marriage tab. And there you will find this along with so much more. If you are not yet a member of Life Balance Membership, you can upgrade right inside the Your Life Rocks app, or you can go to lifebalancemembership.com to learn more. I realize that we have holes and we're showing people where those holes are and we want to fortify stronger. As the woman listening to this, how can they communicate that to their husband? Well, I think that the first thing is, is that we have to really be clear on what we're experiencing and what we're feeling. Because sometimes I have found with clients is that what they're doing is they're making a judgment about, well, my husband should be doing this or my husband should be doing this. One of the things I hear a lot is I want my husband to be more godly. And I have to ask them, what does that mean? What does that look like? Because men and women are different. And if anybody's listened to any of my podcasts or has read anything that I've written, they realize that I, I really take the stance that men and women, while they should have equal opportunities, they're not the same. They're not the same hormonally. They're not the same genetically. I mean, we have different organs. We have, we're, we're not the same. Men tend to be more stoic. Where women, we tend to be more communicators. So we sometimes think our man is maybe not being godly. 
or we think that he could be doing things different, but we don't really know what's going on inside. So the first thing we have to do is we have to look at what are we using to make that judgment? Because honestly, sometimes we're wrong. And the other thing is, are we asking them to be like us rather than to be like themselves? Because too often we do that. We're like, well, you should do it this way. You should put the dishes in this way, or you should whatever it might be. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes there's no right or wrong, but we treat it as a right or wrong. So in generalities, what I would do is I'd really say, what, what is making somebody assume that there's a hole there? Because maybe there's really not a hole there. Maybe that's not a hole. Maybe it's a lookout, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe there's a judgment that is needing to be looked at, okay? Now, that being said, there are times where we're not on the same page. Husbands and wives are not on the same page. And one of the things we have to do is we have to look at the things that we bring into the marriage, whether it's like using the castle analogy, the gate. What things are we bringing in that potentially are creating a problem once they've got past that outer, outer area? Because once they're past the gate and the gatekeeper and everything else, it's a lot harder to get those things out. So let me give you a little analogy and then I'll circle back to what we were talking about. I had a client recently that I was working with and she's got a problem because her husband's best friend that he's known since I think it was like sixth grade. So they're, they're very much important part of his life. The wife is flirting with this woman's husband. She is inappropriately touching him in the fence. She'll come up and like rub his back and she'll do things and she's livid. She's just like, this is not acceptable. The husband hasn't said anything to this woman and the wife is upset because she's like, he should be saying something, he should this, he should that. And the husband's trying to not make waves. So the difference in how these two things get dealt with is kind of the difference between a masculine approach and a feminine approach. But I think that when they're not on the same page, we have to first realize that sometimes not being on the same page doesn't mean one person's right and the other person's wrong. The other thing is, is that a discussion has to happen. And if it's something that's indeed weakening the walls of the marriage, then the parties have to both come together and decide that that's the truth, because if not, they're not going to both be on the same page. And the other thing is, is that they have to come up with an idea on how to, how to strengthen that together. That's probably not going to happen in one conversation. Right. And that's right. the thing. People want it to be one conversation and be done. And it rarely, 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 rarely do we solve anything in one conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that goes for a lot of things in life, but especially something as complex as a marriage relationship for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, it's, it's hard to talk in general for some of those things because it really requires looking at all the moving parts. And it's not uncommon though. It's not uncommon for people to not be on the same page. That's My biggest thing is you, you got to be on the same page, how you present it, and then you talk behind the scenes. Because I'm not on the same page with my husband and parenting sometimes, but you know what? We just say, oh, well, we'll talk about it. We'll let you know. And we talk about it behind the scenes. And you don't have anybody out in the open knowing where your weak spots are at. Mm, I think that that's an important piece of that too, is sometimes when we think about the marriage that we're presenting and, and showing that strong marriage, we think to the outside world, but we don't always think about that with our kids. Mm -hmm. But really that's important too, is showing that strong front with your children as well. Well, yeah, because kids really quick learn who they can go to for the yes answer and who to ask first. I mean, <laughs> oh, yes. mama always say yes to this. Dad will always say yes to this. And you're like, mm. and that whole thing where it's like, mm, no, I'm going to talk to your mom. I'm going to talk to your dad. My kids learned really quick that they weren't going to get a quick answer. 
there was always going to be, well, I'll let you know like in four hours after I've discussed it or I've thought about it. And too often we're, we're impulsive and the kids want an answer yes or no. And it's like, no, I'm going to have to think this through. I'm going to have to look at all the different parts and go from there. And so if we're not, if we're not trying to come up with a quick answer, it's easier with the kids to say, well, after I talked to your dad, you know, and I would tell the kids, make your case and then I'll present it and we'll go from there. Or, you know, however the circumstance would work, but it was like, you can give me all the moving parts right now and then I'll discuss it, but I'm not making a decision right now. And that's hard because we want to decide right then. But yeah, yeah, that's part of that united front. If you're making all the decisions as a mom or the dad's making all the decisions or you've got one parent that's easier or harder, then it's harder to keep that united front because, you know, again, they know who mom's always going to say yes to this and dad's always going to say yes to this kind of thing. That's great. So what are the things should we consider with that outside piece of the castle? Well, I think when you're talking about the outer part, you've really got to look at the gate and the gatehouse. And, you know, we are the gatekeepers. We're the gatekeepers for what comes into our marriages and into our lives by the internet, the phones, books, TVs, music we listen to even, even movies that we watch and and video games. So, you know, society kind of likes to make light of these things and suggest that people are just overreacting. And I actually disagree. You know, the Bible instructs us that basically says as women, we're supposed to respect our husbands and our husbands are supposed to love us even when those days were not lovable. I have those hands raised, you know, and I think this extends to what we show the world. I I think it's Ephesians, oh, it's in Ephesians 5, I think, where they talk about, you know, we're supposed to be respecting our husbands. And I have a a woman that I run in some business circles with, and recently she found out that her husband was having an affair. And understandably, she was shocked. She was deeply hurt. But, you know, what's interesting is I've never seen her post anything on social media that was, was great about her husband. Nothing like, oh my gosh, he's so helpful. I love him. He made me breakfast. It's our anniversary. You know, instead for years, what she's done is she's been posting pictures of like this Hollywood heartthrob and how handsome he is and everything. And then when she's having her bad day, her friends will post pictures of this heartthrob and, you know, to cheer her up. Oh, here's a picture of so-and-so to cheer you up. And I can only imagine how bad her husband must feel. Not that having an affair is in any way acceptable, but, you know, posting pictures like this and, and saying this is this heartthrob, but not giving your husband kudos, you know, that tunnels through the outer defenses and her friends should not be encouraging her. She needs better lookouts. She needs people that are guards. She needs people that are up there in the towers and then they're in the battlements and they're the arrow slit people. They're looking out and they're the archers that are saying, no, girl, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. You're going to spend time with your husband. You're going to do this. You're not, you know, those kind of things. And that's part of those outer defenses of having those people that are your guards. And we all should have those friends that are going to tell it to us straight to say, girlfriend, seriously, you're not going to talk about your husband like that in public. Or people that say, I recently ha- had a friend who had a situation where she was kind of starting to have a little of emotional fling with somebody. And a friend of her said, you realize when you're around this guy, you're kind of giddy and she's married. And she's like, oh my gosh, I am. And so she needed to step back. So having those people in your life that are your guards, that are wise counsel and trusted counsel is also part of that outer defense. And so I always ask people to identify in that handout you have it asked, who are, you know, who are these people? Who are your guards? Who are your people that are going to tell it to you straight? And they're going to say, don't talk about your husband like that. Or, you know what? Your husband's a really good guy. You may be having a bad day. You may be PMSing. I don't know, but we're not going to do this. You're not going to do this in public and we're not going to go there. And a lot of us don't have that. We get talking with girlfriends and you know what happens? Our girlfriends are like, yeah, man, you know, men and this and that. And we have kind of this like fest where we criticize our men. But the truth of the matter is most of us have really 
great guys in our life. Even if sometimes they fail us and we fail them, that we need people to remind us that, you know, it's okay. They're good guys. Yeah, completely. And I so love that you're bringing this up. It was one of the very first lessons I learned in my marriage. We've been married for, oh gosh, what is it? 18 years? It's going to be 18 years, I think, next month. Yeah, yay. But in those first couple years, you know, I kind of fell into that trap of getting around my friends and complaining about my husband because it felt like it was my safe place to vent Mm -hmm. about him and the, the issues that we were having and just my feelings about all of that. But I very quickly learned that when I do that, they then frame their opinion about who he is and about what our relationship is about because they're just seeing that small little window. They're not seeing the loving things that he does for me. And so then when I do feel better about him, they automatically think that my husband's a jerk because that's that's how I portrayed him to them. And so I had to very quickly learn that I don't vent about my husband to my friends. Like that's just not the place. And you can't undo that. You can't. You not can't. At envision, all. And they're going to be loyal to you. And if you're having them over for a function or something, then you're going to have a problem because they're going to be looking at them like, well, she said, he said that mean thing to her, you know, five years ago. Yeah. And, it's yeah. unfair. It's just unfair to him. And then you don't have that actual support for your marriage. You have that right. support for you, but not for your marriage. Well, and that's one of the things we need is we need people that are believers in marriage believers in love, believers in that people fail, but it's okay because we can, I mean, fail can be, I was supposed to do the dishes and didn't do the dishes and people can make a big deal out of that and that's okay. But we we have those failures and we need people in our lives that say, it's okay. We believe in love. We believe in marriage. We believe in God and that they are, they're protecting you. You know, you're a bubble wrap, if you will. And if you don't have people in your life that are doing that, if everybody around you has been divorced three times and they're down on marriage, those are not good guards. They're not good archers in your life, in your castle approach. You need people who have been together for 20 years and that say, yes, we had a rough patch. Yes, we had this. And you know what? We got through it. You can do this. And yeah, sometimes he makes me mad, but that's okay. Not the people who, you know, are married for two years and when the honeymoon fade was over, they let go of it. People who've really been there and have struggled, those are the people you need for your guards and your your wise counsel. I love this. Okay, so for those of you that are listening, some questions just to be asking yourself. Number one, kind of going back to when we very first started, how do you present your marriage to others? What does that look like? Do you present it as a fortified front or are you pointing out where the holes are where people can attack or where the enemy can attack into your marriage? And then question number two, I would like our listeners to be asking themselves is who are your guards of your gate? Mm -hmm. And really evaluating the people that you are spending time with, the people that you're talking about with your marriage. Are they people who are believers in marriage or are they not believers in marriage? Because sometimes we can think about hanging out with just believers in general, like meaning Christians, people who believe in Jesus, but that doesn't always mean that they're believers in marriage because people have their own experiences, their own jaded experiences that they might be bringing to the table. So really thinking about who else around you is protecting your marriage. Absolutely. And even how people get through the, you know, the drawbridge and the gate, you know, historically those areas are considered to be some of the weakest part of a castle and they have that purpose of limiting people's access. And, you know, you, you limit access to you in your marriage based on how you treat your marriage and what you, you know, how revered it is. And so I always tell people, how do you limit access? What do you do? You don't invite people over to your home for a private dinner if they're down on marriage or if they are not, they're not a believer in the sanctity of fidelity, you know, 
But that leads to the next defense, which is once people are in the wall, once they're past that gate and you've got your gatekeepers, now you've got your inner defenses you have to deal with. And the outer defenses are, you know, how we show things and how fortified are our walls. But once people are inside, and it goes with that circle idea you were talking about, is once people are inside, there's this big giant courtyard that is kind of a circle. And that courtyard, the area behind the walls, that's the area where you would do public activities and functions. And this for castle times was where they had festivals and trade and things like that. But they weren't people who were in the inner sanctum. This might be if you're at a large function with a bunch of people. So once people are in behind that wall, you still have to be careful because some of these public functions that people do, you might have people there. For example, a husband it plays golf and there's a bunch of guys and one of the guys there is, is divorced and he's really down on marriage. Then at that point in time, you say, you know what? I'm not going to play golf if it's just with him. I've got to have a bunch of people there. Maybe the friend who never liked your husband, maybe they shouldn't be your confidant when it comes to having marriages. But those people are in your life. They've now made it past that wall. Once they've made it past that wall, a lot of times we just go, oh, everything's fine. No, that's part of our inner defenses. And this is, I always tell people, this is where you, you say things like, I'm not going to have any private meetings with the opposite sex. I'm not going to go to dinner with somebody of the opposite sex. There's no private emails with somebody of an opposite sex. Don't drive anywhere with people with the opposite sex. I'm not talking like your children or like your brother, but anybody where there may be, maybe, maybe, maybe any sort of a chance where your head or your heart could be lusting after this person, you know, because affairs are weird things. People don't realize this sometimes, but affairs start emotionally. There's a mental infidelity that comes first. And then physical infidelity comes. And, you know, this is where you also need guards, but you get to guard yourself by not putting yourself in any position where you're vulnerable. And I'm a big believer in you don't have connection with exes on social media. I know people like, oh, it's no big deal. It's my ex-boyfriend. No, it is a big deal because you have a connection to them. You have some sort of a tie to them and your mate feels undermined. You know, no secret relationships. These are holes in your castle. You don't let exes inside your castle. Do both parties in the marriage, do they have access to social media accounts, bank accounts, passwords? My husband has access to all my stuff. I don't have anything to hide. I mean, sometimes I say something stupid and I'm like, I wish you didn't read it, you know, or whatever. But, you know, and people tell me this is kind of extreme or this is kind of harsh. And what I usually say is it really depends on the level of need. If one or both parties has had some sort of a history of an affair, obviously the need is greater. Or maybe if a parent has had some sort of infidelity, somebody might be more sensitive. But even that, that's part of your, even your outer defense in some ways. It's like, what is your united front? If somebody's like, hey, I saw your wife with this guy in the car, you're like, whoa, or so-and-so was having dinner. That gives people maybe the impression you don't want. And that's a concern for me. Any sort of thing where you put yourself in a position where you are susceptible. And, you know, I love that you talk about this because this is something that my husband and I, we really had to be very clear on what our expectations were of each other in this area and and really how we wanted to live this out. Because for many, many years, my husband was a stay-at-home dad and I would travel for work, which meant I was having dinner with people of the opposite Uh sex. I was in cars, I was traveling. I was, you know, sometimes I would, I mean, I remember one time I was on a two-week trip throughout Canada, a completely different country than where we were with my boss, who was a man. And it was just Mm -hmm. the two of us sharing Mm -hmm. a rental car and long driving trips and, you know, dinner, meals, all of those things. But one of the things that we, we did because we knew we didn't have a way around it is whenever I would be out and about with someone of the opposite sex, 
not only would I bring my husband up into conversation, but I would say, hold on a second, I need to call my husband or Mm -hmm. hold on a second, I need to text my husband. So that way my husband was always there, even though he wasn't physically there. I moved him into Mm -hmm. the situation. And we have access to everything from both of us. We both decided early on, like we shouldn't have to hide anything. So, I mean, even right now we're so connected with our Google accounts. It drives me crazy because every time he gets a text message, it comes through on my phone and I can't figure out how to turn it off. (laughs) But that's how transparent we are with each other. Like we just feel like there's absolutely nothing to hide. And there will be times that he will say, don't look in the bank account because I bought you a Christmas present because right. it's just there, right? But, th- but that's just kind of what we decided as the expectation for our marriage early on. And that sets a, a really important tone that says, I'm not planning on hiding anything and I don't have anything to hide unless I'm hiding something temporarily. So don't, you know, kind of think that's, and that's a different conversation. But I think that you know, there are women and men who are in the same position with you and having to travel. And that is that time where you have to say, hey, I have to mention my husband. Or I say, have these people meet. Joel had to, at one point in time, had to travel with somebody from work. And basically what you do is you just meet them so that they understand. And at that point in time, you know, maybe it's a three of you going out to dinner and then you sit down and you talk and, and they understand that look, this is a solid marriage. I think it's more concerning for me if that other person is single then it becomes a different thing. But if both parties, like if you're traveling with your boss and he's a man and they're both married, you're married and he's married and you guys both know you have a strong marriage, that's a little bit less concerning for me. But it also depends on the level of need. So some people have had history with infidelity. In that case, you have to understand that your partner is really going to be more hypersensitive. And so you're going to have to jump through hoops to make sure that they are feeling comfortable and safe in that relationship. So, you know, each, each situation is going to be unique. And there you have part one of this two-part series. I hope that even the first part has really helped you have a new perspective for your marriage and given you some inspiration on some things that you can take action that you can do today to help protect your marriage moving forward. Now, stay tuned for next week as Kimberly and I finish this conversation all about helping you protect your marriage. Of course, you can get the PDF that gives you more of that actionable steps, the things that you can personalize for your own situation inside Life Balance Membership. And I wanted to let you know as well, we're having a sale on our Life Balance Planners while supplies last. We are getting a new run. If you are currently a Life Balance member, check out inside the membership for your special pricing. And if you are not yet a Life Balance member and you're thinking about it, this is a great way that you can join. When you go to lifebalancemembership.com, you'll see the different joining options. And one of them we call Fully Equipped. It is three months of membership and comes with a Life Balance Planner. So you can really start to implement everything that you're learning from the membership right to your life. Now we have special prices while supplies last, so don't wait and go to lifebalancemembership.com to learn more. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. 
You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com. Thank you.